This is culture. We're we're finally live. We got uh, Mr. Matt Riccardi on phone. He's a former candidate for governor in New Jersey and a former United States Marine. Matt, how are you? Hey, I'm very good. How are you, Jeremy? I'm making it, man. Hey, listen, what do you think about this election? <laughs> um, so, you know, you guys, there's a lot of thoughts about it. Um, uh, right now, we're, uh, we're at a place of uncertainty all across the country. Um, when you're looking at it from sort of an independent, sort of constitutionalist perspective, because I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, so to speak, um, I may end up seeming more conservative than I would liberal. Um, but really, I approach everything from a constitutionalist perspective, which means that I look at the letter of the Constitution um, for every single uh, issue when it comes to, uh, to government, when it comes to politics. And, uh, and that's how I base my opinions. Um, so just sitting from that perspective, uh, this is kind of wild because you're getting to see history, you're getting to see something that you didn't really expect to play out. Um, but also, uh, it's a little obscene. I mean, the things that are, that are going on, um, with regards to the, the vote count and the possibility of, uh, this tremendous scandal or fraud and, uh, or on the flip side, the fact that there's a president, you know, who may not want to leave office, not saying that that's the case, but that's the way, that's the thoughts that are going through people's minds right now. So we're all sitting here just trying to pick it apart. And for me, um, the thing that I've been trying to do, uh, without stoking too much fear is just kind of sit back and, and hope that this goes properly through the court system and that a victory for integrity and for truth um, is delivered to the American people. No matter the outcome, we, we need the very, I said the other day on Facebook, the very final piece of, um, of decency left in this country with regards to politics is our voting system. If the voting system falls apart and it's undermined, we've got nothing left. I mean, you may as well create the anarchy, the war, whatever you want, because uh, there's nothing left, nothing left really holding things together. So we need the Supreme Court or the courts to play out with integrity um, and they need to make the proper decision with regards to this issue, and then all parties involved need to do the right thing. Well, they're they're already caught the media, of course, because the media is the media. They're already saying, you know, Vice President or uh, President Elect Biden, and um, but if you go look on Yahoo right now, and you go to yahoo.com, and you know they they become a news source apparently, but um. Their second article, if you swipe to the right, do you know what their second article says? I do not. It says, President-elect Biden won, but can he govern? The answer to that is no. <laughs> that's, the, that's the long and short of it. The answer to that is no, he cannot. I don't, I don't understand. To me, I don't know if, if anybody else paid attention, but I've been pretty good at calling these states. Like I've been watching presidential elections for a while now. And most of the time I, I looked at Florida and I was like, okay, they might as well go ahead and call Florida. Trump's won Florida. And then I looked at Pennsylvania. Now I was watching CNN. I wasn't watching Fox or MSNBC or MSNDC or whatever you want to call it. But, um, CNN said at 10 o'clock that night, my time, which was 11 for some of the country and no telling what for the rest of the country, but um, they, Wolf Blitzer said there's 400,000 votes left in Pennsylvania as what CNN was getting. Donald Trump had a 600,000 vote lead. I called the state of Pennsylvania and I said, there's no way that you know, Joe Biden, if he received every one of the 400,000 votes, and then the next day they were saying, okay, there's 1.4 million votes left. Even if there's not voter fraud, even if there's not, screw-ups like that on a level where you have a presidential election during a pandemic, um, how does that even happen? Because I know you you've ran for governor. You you you've dealt with the. I'm pretty sure you've dealt with the Secretary of State of uh, New Jersey, and you've dealt with people on, on the state levels. How does a screw up that bad come across? Like because 
where you're where you're saying it the night before you got four hundred thousand votes left, and then the next day it's one point four million votes. How how does that even happen? Yeah, so um, so that's uh, that's good northeast math for you. Uh, that's that's what we call it. That's uh, that's Yankee math for the uh, for the southerner. Um, <laughs> that's not supposed to happen. So uh, the reality is is that this whole thing was nothing but chaos. Um, for the viewers or for anybody that's listening, if, I, if we have the time to just quickly give some context here. So you've got the coronavirus, you've got a bunch of liberal, um, you know, oligarchs, rulers like the one in New Jersey, Governor Murphy, and you've got uh, throughout Pennsylvania and a lot of places where you have Democrats in charge, they decide that they're going to force the mail-in ballots. Um, which mail-in ballots are very, I mean, if we really think about it, let's go, let's go down the, the line. Mail-in ballots are very suspect to begin with, okay? Mm-hmm. You have a ballot coming from a place, and what is the verification process to actually verify that the place it came from, the person, one, was a registered voter in that area, in that state, two, that they actually did vote, um, and that it wasn't somebody who voted for them, and, and three, that it got in on time and that it was, you know, certified and all these other things. So you got to go through, that's a pretty, that's a pretty scrutinized process right there that we should be going through. That's not to say that that's what we're doing. Now, the American people have been very, very, very faithful and allowed this to go on for a very long time. FDR, um, one of the, you know, the, the father of modern day liberalism, uh, was famous for stuffing the ballot boxes and, uh, Robert Cairo, who is the uh, the autobiographer for LBJ, he wrote in one of his books that LBJ had lost an election and he went and sat down with FDR. And FDR was notorious for not losing elections. The guy won four times and so many other elections before that. And he said, you see, son, you got that, that Texas, uh, I believe it was his Texas math is what he called it, or Southern math. And he said, you need to learn about how we do things in New York. And FDR told him that, you know, it's not about stuffing the ballot box, it's about sitting on it. See, what LBJ hadn't learned yet was that even though you stuff the ballot box, you're not paying attention to the opponents who are stuffing the ballot box. And that's why LBJ lost, because some mafia guys outdid him, um, and FDR taught him the right way. So after you stuff that box, you sit on it. And the reason why I bring that up is because the corruption is very much alive and real. You were mentioning earlier uh, in our private chat that it, it's happened in Alabama. It's obviously, it's happened in New Jersey. When, when I went to go run for office, I sat down with a couple of guys, a couple of handsome uh, chaps in nice big suits who were trying to get me to run as a Republican. And uh, the main thing that we talked about, me and these two guys who, you know, you get, they look like they came out of a mafia movie. They're sitting there talking to me about the corruption that's going to ensue when I do run. And the the cities that I should not pay any attention to. You don't go there. You don't, you're not going to politic there because you're not going to win anyway. The only thing that we need to do that they told me is you need to pay attention to these, uh, to these towns and to these cities and do the best that you can to control the voter fraud. Okay. This is what these guys told me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give out the names of these gentlemen. Um, but they were involved in politics for 30 years in New Jersey. Uh, one of them was running one of the major parties in New Jersey and they sat down looking for a young Marine like me, try and bring some life to the Republican party. And the gentleman spoke to me and told me point blank that you don't politic inside cities like Camden, cities like, uh, uh, Newark, places like that, these large, uh, Democrat urban areas because they're not going to vote for you. Don't waste your time there. You got to go to the so-called battleground areas. But the reason why it was so important, I never forget it, is he told me the best thing, the only thing you can do is you can try to limit the fraud. So it is well known across the country, obviously, that, that you know, in the Northeast, in New York, Boston, Jersey, you know, there's tons and tons of, of voter fraud. Um, but I believe that it's all over the country. I believe that Americans have been very faithful in allowing this to sort of go on without really going after it. Now, a couple of things I just want to hit on before I, before I, I shut up real fast is, um, one, they, they attack Trump or they attack anybody that makes a claim on the basis of evidence but the reality is, is how do you provide evidence? The only way to provide evidence is to be there during the count. And Trump tried to get his people there uh, for that particular part of the count. It's not like he had eyes everywhere all over the country watching every single count. So 
what you mean to tell me is that you've got a bunch of people who are putting our faith in, in a process to count legally and lawfully. They see this gentleman as literally the media portrays Trump as Hitler. And these people are supposed to have the utmost integrity to not possibly switch votes to help vote out a guy that the media portrays as Hitler. I mean, let's think about that. If you thought, and I thought, that Hitler was running for re-election and we were the counters, wouldn't you think that you would feel in some way swayed to change the votes that came in for Hitler? I mean, that's what I would, I mean, yeah, with everything inside of me, I'd feel pretty much swayed to, so not necessarily, I mean, you have to really keep that in mind. They, these are real everyday people. Their minds are being swayed in such a way that they're partying in the streets of New York City right now because they hate Trump so badly and consider him the greatest racist that ever lived and akin to Hitler. And these are the people that are sitting there with very little to no oversight um, uh, counting these votes. Uh, with that being said, just to paint that picture, but with that being said as well, the whole voting process, right, mail-in votes, uh, it's very suspect. You don't have a whole lot of integrity when it comes to it. You, again, you have a three-part process where you just, in order to get those votes in there, um, you have to have that three-piece criteria that we just talked about. And then after you have that three-piece criteria, you have to actually have faith in the people that are counting those votes. That's a lot of faith for me, uh, especially when I can't even go to a theme park without having my fingers scanned and showing an ID. I'm supposed to put this much faith in an election process, somebody to count my votes, especially given the fact that we know how polarized it is, we know how hated Trump is, um, and any candidates this day in America. To me, it's baffling that we have people that are sitting here absolutely mocking the fact that there could even be election fraud, especially when they just spent the last four years laughing and mocking Donald Trump and accusing him of being an illegitimate president because of election fraud, via Russian collusion. So uh, for me, I'm just blown away um, that people have such little integrity that they're not willing to put apart their partisan ideology uh, and just seek truth on this. People dancing in the streets and mocking Trumpsters or whatever. Listen, I'm not the biggest fan regardless, but what, what we need here in America is we need integrity. And to sit here and to say that these numbers came in and we shouldn't question it, I don't know about you, my man, but for me, that is very much suspect. And that is something that absolutely, if I was running or any friend was running, I would be flaming uh, in the streets trying to get this thing fixed and overturned as soon as possible. Well, when that, when, if, if, if Rudy Giuliani is correct, and this goes to the Supreme Court, and they, they determined that there were 300,000 votes in, just in the state of Pennsylvania. I mean, of course, I think you have seen the Project Veritas video of, of, of postal workers now coming forward saying that, yeah, we were told to uh, backdate ballots. Yeah. Um, if this if this hangs true and Giuliani does go to the Supreme Court and Trump's law team goes to the Supreme Court <clears throat> and the Supreme Court says, okay, yes, they did. It was a depri- depri- it's It's considered a deprivation of, of civil rights as what he would be filing it under. And what, if the Supreme Court deems these 300,000 ballots that Giuliani is talking about, if they deem those ballots to be, you know, negated or thrown out, that changes the entire race of Pennsylvania. That takes away 20, that takes away 20 electoral electoral votes from Joe Biden. Right. And, if that was to happen in Wisconsin, because now they're saying there's 50 something thousand votes in Wisconsin. Um, you know, it's, it's possible that, you know, if those two States are flipped, then Donald Trump's the president. Wisconsin and Michigan are are two ones that, I mean, look, they have five States that are going to have to mandatory recount. Okay. So to sit here for the, for the associated press, Fox News and CNN, anybody to call this election is is a complete and total fool. Um, it's disingenuous to the American people. It's it's disgusting. Honestly, let me just, let me be myself for a little bit because I'm well known for being very brash and uh, very rude when it comes to, you know, stating the truth. Go ahead. 
it's it's complete it's complete garbage. Uh, the whole thing is garbage. The media is disgusting. It was a complete and full blown attempt on on uh, on President Trump. Whether you like him or not, man, I don't want to have to be in the position. I'm constantly defending him, um, and I'm not I'm not, I'm not completely against him. I you know I like him. There are some really good things that he's done. But again, I stick to the Constitution. He hasn't been perfect by that measure, but he's a he's a thousand times he's the best president of my lifetime by far. Um, and that's saying that's saying. I guess a lot, you know, you had Reagan, but he's been the best president with regards, and again, $30 trillion debt. We can talk about all the negatives, but there's so many positives, right? And there's a reason why so many people today that I know that are friends of mine that are libertarians are sitting here. They didn't vote for the libertarian candidate. They voted for Trump for the obvious reason. Um, what is coming when you remove this man who has been such a fighter uh, out of the way is a full-blown socialist agenda. Um, but the media is complicit in the fact that they worked hard to try to turn these results. Um, they were sitting there putting forth, putting forth uh, false statistics with regards to polls, right, trying voter suppression, so to speak, trying to sit there and get people not to show up because they thought it was going to be a landslide. Uh, they sat there all night on election night refusing to call states that were very obviously going to Trump. Um, they refused to call him. I mean, Texas, Texas is a battleground state since when? And I'm pretty sure he won it by 10, 12, 15%. Okay, it's not the same as usual. And I would assume there was voter fraud, definitely. Um, but it's not the same as usual, but by no means was Texas a battleground state. You gotta give me a, give me a break here. Um, but you've got so many areas where they, 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 they worked so hard to help out with the Biden campaign, even so sitting there and telegraphing. Okay, I heard the other night when I was watching the coverage, I heard multiple media outlets sitting there and telegraphing. They know that, that Trump watches the, the, you know, the news, and they know that Biden's campaign does too. So the media is telegraphing what Biden should do at 2 o'clock in the morning. He should come out and he should give a speech talking about being patient, talking about, you know, respecting the process. And all. Are you serious? This is Joe Biden, the guy who's going to put Trump in a headlock, the other guy who's, you know, all the racist and, and awful things that Biden has said. This is Biden. He's some kind of a patient unifier, and now he's composed. I don't believe it for a second, okay? I believe that it was telegraphed. I believe that it's a big setup, that they're sitting here and they are pushing and clamoring for the opportunity to call it today. Um, and they got their wish to be able to call it because, they, you know, they somehow believe that these votes are, are, uh, are solidified. But the reality is the media doesn't have the right to do it. The, the American voter does, for one. And those votes are going to get recounted in five states, which is amazing. Um, and this thing is far from over. It's far from over. And if it, whether it goes to the Supreme Court or not, doesn't even make that much of a difference. Because I believe Arizona is, is turning, right? I mean, it hasn't been finished yet. And there's still a lot of votes left. Arizona may turn for Trump. And really, all he needs at that point is for Pennsylvania to get overturned from the recount. Um, I know that there is one state in particular that has a ton of military ballots. Military loves Trump. They're Georgia. Over, yeah, they're going to be overwhelmingly Trump. So really, all he has to do is overturn the results in Arizona and overturn the results in Pennsylvania, and it's game over. Trump wins. So, I mean, I'm not sitting here afraid, um, you know, in support of Trump regardless. I think that he would win if the courts, if everything plays out properly in the courts the way that I think that it should, I think Trump's going to win. Um, I believe that he would win the recount if everything plays out properly. There's a lot, and I say that, and people are wondering what I mean. There's a lot of ways to cover up the election fraud. Um, you know, and with regards to the courts, it going to the Supreme Court, regardless of the fact that it's a six to three majority now, it's really not. It's three leftist socialist liberals, you have three constitutional conservatives, and then you have three moderates. Trump put two of those moderates in there, so you think that they'd repay him by giving him, you know, at least a fair shot. Um, Roberts is a moderate, but he's the guy that passed Obamacare, so how do you put any stock in Roberts? Uh, but you got Kavanaugh and you got Gorsuch, and they were supposed to be these two textualists or constitutionalists, which they have proven already in multiple cases that they are not. But if it goes to the Supreme Court, you got three, three, and three. You're going to get three liberals, you're going to get three conservatives, and you're going to get three in the middle. The problem that I have with it going to the Supreme Court and why I don't want to put too much faith in that is the Supreme Court historically, except for Roberts going with Obamacare um, and, uh, and Kennedy going for, for gay marriage, historically with things like this, they're afraid of precedence. 
if they go ahead and they overturn the election results, it could break the whole system. Now, my hope is that they have integrity and that they follow through with whatever is just and true. But you have to keep in mind that even if it goes to the Supreme Court, that Trump may suffer defeat just on the grounds of precedence where they don't want to undermine the election process by proving that there is voter fraud conducted by one of the two major parties or even by the candidate himself or some, somewhere even beyond that. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, the hope is that the recounts are going to help out, that some of those ballots by the court order by uh, Alito yesterday are going to get tossed out, and that things will change in that regard. They're talking a big game in the Trump team and the Trump campaign about the fact that they have paid attention to the fraud, to the ballots. I'm hoping that they back it up, because I tell you, it, it shouldn't be very difficult, but sometimes it could be very difficult to uh, to find those ballots, to match everything up, to, pr to create or to provide the evidence. And really, that's that's all that it, that it hinges on. We know that there's voter fraud. We know that Joe Biden, the worst candidate, in my opinion, for president in American history, just got 73, 74 million votes. Okay? I, I, there's, the Republicans won seats in the Senate and in the House, which they were supposed to lose. You've got all kinds of widespread wins all across the board. You've got record turnout with regards to minorities, with regards to women. And somehow, 69 million votes, which the majority, right, were not mailing for Trump, 74 million for Biden, the worst candidate in presidential history. Does anybody, I mean, can we just be honest with each other? Like, does anybody really see this, this suspicious activity here? Like, do we, you know, do we see that? It's so obvious. There's no way that this guy... This horrendous candidate who didn't even campaign, this guy who can barely stand up and speak, this guy who the media chalked up him talking about how he had a voter fraud network, this guy, he somehow got 74 million votes? Negative. I, I won't believe it. Uh, I don't believe it. I don't believe that he is the winner. I do believe personally that there is... Uh, absolute voter fraud, and I think that every single person in America uh, has a duty to sit here and to keep the conversation going, to push to get the integrity of the matter out um, so that we can absolutely spare uh, the final decent part of our politics, which is our election system. Well, Rudy Giuliani came out earlier in his press conference, and I don't know if you got to see that or not. But in his press conference that he had today, right after they declared Biden the winner, he got up and gave an example of a woman who died on October the 22nd, received her mail-in ballot October the 23rd. It was returned by uh, it was returned by November the 2nd. So a dead woman who died on October 22nd voted on October 23rd. Well, received the ballot on October 23rd. It was returned November the 2nd, and this is in Pennsylvania. And the Secretary of State's office has her down as an active voter, even though she died October the 22nd. Unbelievable. Uh, that, Unbelievable. That's going on all over the country. That's went on for years. Um, someone told me that uh, that they had received a uh, unsolicited mail-in ballot, and um, they actually went to the uh, polls to vote because they, they don't believe in – you know, mail-in voting, and they, they just don't want to take part in that. And they um, they they looked at me and they said, what was stopping me from um, vote going in person and voting, sending that mail-in ballot, you know, the day of the uh, election because it would be postmarked and um, nobody checking up on it because they would just look at it and say, you know, okay, well, it's it's properly signed. It's, you know, it's for this person. And, you know, they, they would just mark the ballot on through. And that, that's, you know, it, how hard is it going to be to find out how many times that happened? Right, exactly. That's, that's a good point. That's a really, and that's exactly what I was trying to highlight earlier. The fact that it is, it, they, where is the evidence? Where is the evidence? That's all you're hearing from people. It's easy for you to ask where the evidence is, considering the fact that you already know that the only people that would have the evidence are the people that are there in the room doing the cheating. 
I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I went to the candy store and stole my candy bar, I didn't go back to the store later on with the empty wrapper and show everybody. Uh, you know, I mean, it's pretty stupid to think that people are going to sit here and commit this treasonable act of, of voter fraud uh, and then go ahead and, and produce evidence against themselves to, to show that they did it. Obviously, that's not how that works. And the people that are running the show are likely mafia uh, uh, sort of people. If you know anything about the mafia, they're definitely not going to do it because they don't like rats. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing about evidence, there would be evidence if the people in Philadelphia didn't blockade the windows, if they didn't uh, defy court orders to allow independent people to come in and to view the ballot counting. Sure, there would be all kinds of uh, of, um, of evidence. So, But that just gets me back to that point again uh, for anybody that's listening that doesn't understand this process. America has been far too faithful with our voting process um, in just, just handing it over to, you know, whoever, not having voter IDs, uh, no questions asked. I mean, wow, I, there's so many things. And you see the memes all the time and the jokes about things that you need an ID for, but for voting, you don't. But it's, it's just baffling to me that we sit here and that we trust the counters, we trust the political parties, we trust the powers that be so much that we would go push a button and then just hope for the results to pour in and, Yada yada. I guess we just accepted whoever won one. How do you think people like Nancy Pelosi stay in power? How do you think you know even Mitch McConnell? I mean Republican or Democrat? How do you think these people stay in power? How do you think these people go in? Uh, you know, average thirty year olds like myself. You know, working uh, working. You know, a specific uh, you know hundred thousand dollar, fifty thousand dollar a year job, and then come out twenty, thirty years, five years later, millionaires. Uh, Obama wasn't rich. He went in a college professor, a community organizer, a, a, a hot air balloon flyer. I don't know. He, he, was, he was a nobody. He went in there and he comes out and he's, he's worth tens of millions, probably hundreds of millions of dollars at this point because of all the backroom deals and all the, the stuff that he's been given over the years. But the guy became a super millionaire. Come on now. Like, how do you think this stuff happens? You think that it's, it's just magic? You think that they're so good at their job? Their job, a.k.a., which is representing people, not not ruling people, representing people. Have you ever seen Nancy Pelosi or Dianne Feinstein, the videos of them, when they have their uh, their constituents come and approach them about, about uh, you know, certain types of legislation, the way that they talk to their constituents? I mean, you've got to be kidding me, man. These people are not representatives. They are, they are the elite. They are oligarchs. They are rulers. They see themselves that way. Nancy Pelosi yesterday talking to the media, the way that she talks. She is such a crude, vicious, vulgar, disgusting human being. Um, and obviously, again, there's Republicans that are like that, too. I don't want to, you know, they're, they're like that. But that's all these people. They are the elite. They go there, they think of themselves as being the, the, the greatest people on earth, uh, they make tons of money, they collect all kinds of backroom deals, and then they make the deals in order to go ahead and to ensure that they stay in power so they can continue to make money. How does uh, I ran when I ran for governor, how does how does Phil Murphy, former Goldman Sachs CEO, Obama ambassador to Germany, how does a guy like that who wasn't even from New Jersey, spent one year living in New Jersey, how does he run for governor, number one, okay, embarrassing, and then number two, how does he spend $50 million of his personal fortune to run for a job that pays three hundred grand? It's a good question. Think about it. Just think about that. If you, if you guys think nothing else of this conversation, I'm a big, uh, big mouth idiot from the Northeast. Just, just think about that. Why does a Goldman Sachs CEO, Obama ambassador to Germany, how did he get the ambassadorship to Germany anyway? He was a CEO for Goldman Sachs. With that. And what, what purpose does he have as an ambassador to Germany? Hmm, I wonder. Uh, and then he spends $50 million campaigning to become the, he really wants to help people that much. He really wants to, to push legislation, not even because it's not the governor's job. He really wants to enforce legislation that much that he spent $50 million to get paid 300 grand. Hmm. I wonder why. I, I wonder if it's because he knows that he's going to get that money back and much more. Hmm. I, I wonder. Let me ask you something. I don't know about New Jersey. Um, I haven't read up too much about New Jersey, but I know in New York and other Democrat state, Democrat run states, 
they 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 did this when the coronavirus happened did did phil murphy did he um essentially order covid patients at the beginning to be placed in nursing homes oh yeah Mur- murphy murphy was very, he's very much like uh like his buddy there in, in new york cuomo and uh, very much like california the three of them are all lockstep um i'm pretty sure that he followed He's not a leader in any way, even even in, in bad ways. Um, but I'm pretty sure that he followed the New York mold. But uh, but yeah, and he still continues. Uh, this is the guy that this is the guy that that shut down and personally uh, tried to barricade a gym owner from being able to open up his business, and is now trying to bankrupt the gentleman because he tried to open up his business. And these people these people are are vile. Uh, disgusting rulers. They're tyrants. And, you know, I, I often go back, and I know that the people of Alabama could appreciate what I'm about to say, but I often go back to the roots of this country when I have these conversations, you know? What do you think George Washington, you know, what do you think that the founding fathers would be doing uh, under this current state of affairs, um, especially given the, the election fraud and whatnot of, to, of, of today, but what do you think they'd be doing under this current state of affairs? They'd be, they'd be firing. You know, they'd be firing. We are under the rule of tyrants in America um, beyond anything that we've ever imagined, beyond anything that our founding fathers could have ever uh, imagined we would we would get to. And, uh, you know, the time has come where we need to go ahead at some point and we need to step up and we need to, uh, you know, we need to handle this. And unfortunately, whether or not that, that takes war, um, it may. You know, we're involved in a very cold war, so to speak, at this point. Um, and I'm not advocating necessarily that we should go out and have, have shots fired. That's, that's the last, you know, thing that anybody wants. Um, but something's got to give. You see that the leftists are getting worse and worse, especially if this is a stolen election. I mean, what, that, now what? You know, now what? Now, now, now you're really, you're at that point where, where there's no turning back. Um, but you see that they're getting more brash and more brazen. Uh, they control the schools. If you have kids in public school, take your kids out of public school. It's the first thing I can tell any parent. Um, you're a fool. You know, if you're, if you, if you think that, if you think that you're sending your kids to public school and they're not indoctrinating them because you're doing such a good job at home, God bless. God bless you, because I tell you what, them schools are filled with Marxism, uh, cultural Marxism. It is the death of this country. That's why. Why is it that our children, why is it that our youth they are all, you know, socialists and they're all supporting Democrats now? Um, have you been to a school lately? You know, go to a college, go to a high school, go to a public school. You know, the, the number one thing that we can do to fix this problem is parenting. Yeah, everything begins and ends with parenting. That is how you fix the ails of America. For those that are listening, um, that's how you fix this problem 100%. You have to take an investment in parenting um, and stop letting cultural Marxists and socialists uh, do the job for you. And, you know, if you're sending your kids to a school for six hours, seven hours, if they're out there living in a dorm, uh, being indoctrinated all day long, you know, essentially you've given your children over to the state. And uh, the, the, according to the Constitution, the government was never meant to serve that purpose. The government's not supposed to educate whatsoever. It's not supposed to have public schools. They are unconstitutional. They're not supposed to exist. Um, schooling is supposed to be done privately. You can pay your local neighbor. You can take up the job yourself. Uh, you can do it for your own kids. You can do it for the, the community's kids, whatever. People can pay you for it, however it's supposed to go. But it's not supposed to be that government. Uh, runs it, and you have obvious, uh, you know, history to prove that with any fascist nation, with the Nazis, um, so forth and so on. There's reasons why government should not be educating your kids. When the when the public schools, like because now now we're on public schools, but public schools, you know, they they've gotten so far out there and left field that that it is actually it's really sickening because. Now they've got children that, you know, they're, they're, they're teaching them. They, they say, okay, we can't teach the Bible, but we're going to teach the Quran. We're going to, we're going we're gonna to include that. And, and, and people say all the time that, oh, that's not, that, that's not true. No, it's true because it's been proven that it's true. And all of these people that, what was it? A school in Michigan, I think that happened. And, um, they were saying that these parents were lying. Well, a kid took his cell phone in there one day and recorded it. So, how about, about anal sex for kindergartners in in, uh, in Oregon or Washington in California? I mean, he, from K, K K through twelve, they're creating curriculums 
that discuss uh, uh, role playing, bondage, anal sex. I mean, come on now. So let's let's go ahead and let's let's go ahead and let's delve into it. You know, let's let's discuss it. That's what needs to happen. People need to start discussing it, but they need to start taking accountability. And I'm so sorry to hurt feelings. Uh, this one's not going to make me popular. I know it. But if you want the honest to God truth, uh, as somebody who sat there, I went through college for quite some time, and I'm a pretty pretty astute guy when it comes to um to analyzing to analyzing people to analyzing behavior to analyzing politics it's just uh, something that i'm just really good at and uh, my time in there man i analyzed over and over again and i tell you they are they are that is it is a marxist socialist government indoctrination breeding ground that is what college um has become and obviously high school is is very much following right behind it and if you want to save the future of this country or you want to save your children, you need to put those places out of business. Well, you see, um, California, you know, when when they first adopted uh, um, same-sex marriage, now what was it, Proposition 6, Prop 6 in California, where the, the, the yep. citizens they of California, they voted it down, and then they the courts. And the, the, the tyrants still pushed it through. Well, I've got a question. They They, they said that, you know, there was a lot of people that were on the right, uh, on the right, mainly on the right, that were saying that um, same-sex marriage is going to lead to the normalization of pedophilia. And there were people that called them crazy, and I, I didn't know at the time because I, you know, I, I wasn't really paying attention at the time. But um, now we see California, who now has a ten below law. Where a twenty-one-year-old yeah, can that. legally have sex with an eleven-year-old. That's right. They did. They just passed. They just passed that. And it may not be down to eleven. I think that, that the number is twelve or fourteen, or it's somewhere between twelve or fourteen. But it is a ten-year uh, span, and they did that particularly. Supposedly, they did that to try and help LGBT youth. But the reality is, is the complete opposite. And there was a great rebuttal to that, which I posted on my page. Um, and after this, I'll try and get the link and give it to you so that you can share it. It's a lawyer who was local out there who posted a phenomenal rebuttal to the legislature, ripping them to shreds over the wording, over the, the purpose behind this bill. But yeah, they, they, they decriminalized sex with anyone that was 10 years minor to you, uh, all the way down to 12 or 14 years old. Absolutely sickening. That exists in California today. Well, what gets to me is these people that are moving out of California, I mean, which we clearly saw this election, uh, the people that are moving to California that are running to Arizona and to Texas, um, a big a big thing in Texas is don't California my Texas. Well, it looks like that's the it looks like that's gonna be the trend going forward because look at what's happened to Dallas and Austin. I mean, they they they've went they've they've went completely into left field over the last couple of years. Jew from New York, and he said uh, that he believed that Texas 
in time would soon be in play. And his reasoning was exactly what I just said. He believed that it was their tactic, that they were going to continue to push people to migrate to these states. And that would be their reasoning um, is to, again, is to win the electoral college, to, to, to win the vote and to take over Texas. If they take over Texas, a Republican will never win ever again. The electoral yeah. votes, they're just too many. They're too many between Texas, New York, New Jersey, Texas, uh, California. Um, uh, there's a couple other big states, but and then now they're in play for you know places like North Carolina, Pennsylvania. You've got so many of these states. Democrats start the electoral college. Any Democrat candidate, okay, the worst of the worst, they start at like two oh seven. They start with that much. So the people that were sitting there watching the other night, like, why does Biden have so many and Trump has so little? It's, it's designed that way. The only thing that matters on election night are battleground states. Like I told you, when the mafia guys sat down with me and they said, don't worry about going into these big cities because you don't have to worry about winning votes there. It's not going to happen. You need to go to these other towns and win the votes there. It's the same concept. You don't have to worry. Trump doesn't have to worry about going to California because he ain't going to win. And Biden doesn't have to worry about coming to Tennessee because he ain't going to win. Trump doesn't go to Jersey because he ain't going to win. Biden doesn't go to, you know, Idaho or Alaska because he ain't going to win. So where do they go? They go to the key battleground states where you have a mix of voters that could flop either way or that are right around 50-50, and they try to win a little bit more than the other person, and that's how it all plays out. The problem is, is that Democrats have more electoral votes to start with, so Republicans have to do a lot more campaigning and a lot more winning on election night than Democrats do. And that is due to Texas, New York, uh, and all these massive states, which by the way, the only reason why they're even, and this is my theory too, the only reason why they even go blue is because of the massive urban hubs, right? You have mm -hmm. New York City, and then in, in California you have LA. The rest of those states are super red. Why is it, people ask all the time, why is it that the tiniest blue, the tiny specks of blue in these states, they're all red, the map is barely blue, and it's massively red, but somehow it's a 50-50, because in those little blue spots, they have massive amounts of voters. Now, my theory, based on where I grew up, based on, I wrote this the other day on Facebook, I grew up in a very urban area, very poor area, urban, poor people in the ghetto, they don't vote. They don't care to vote, yet somehow on election day, they vote and they change elections. How does that happen? So I believe, based on FDR's method and his motto, I believe that there is massive voter fraud all throughout the urban communities all across the country. I believe that the majority of Americans are Republican, conservative, constitutionalist, whatever you want to call it, at least moderately Republican, as opposed to liberal, um, I believe that they take the disenfranchised populations, places where there is nobody to do any sort of check or balance on what goes on there, and I believe they exploit them. I believe that they sign them up, take their ballots from them, and cast them for them personally. That is why, if it turns out to be true, Joe Biden got as many votes as he did, the reason being is because the Democrat machines knew that it was mail-in voting, and what could they do? You can't get a person to show up on election day by dragging them. You don't have enough manpower to do that. But over the course of months, you can show up throughout the hood, and you can sign people up left and right all day and all night, get them to write their votes down on those pieces of paper, and when it comes time to mail them suckers in, you can mail them in. Think about what I just said. Think about that. Let that sit in America. Let that sit in anybody with an open mind. Let that sit inside your brain. Democrats and Republicans on election day push to get the vote out. They push. They get people in the communities, and they try and drag them out and get them to the polls to vote. In a year like this, where the mail-in voting became a huge thing, they no longer had to drag people to the polls. And months in advance, they knew they could stockpile for hours upon hours upon hours throughout the communities, signing people up, and then just stockpile those ballots until it was time to turn them in. And what does that do? It changes everything. Everything. And you don't know what kind of deals they made with those people when they were sitting there all day long getting them to sign up. Hell, you don't even know that those people themselves 
signed those ballots voted the way that they did. All it takes is no check and balance, meaning there's no, it's not like Republicans and Democrats go door to door with each other, sign people up, register them and get them to vote on a mail-in ballot. And the person just chooses which one they want. It's whoever has the machine in the area. And Democrats are notorious for controlling urban populations and urban communities. And Republicans have zero presence whatsoever. How did the mail-in ballots turn? They turned three or more, three to one for Biden. And where did they come from? All night long, on election night, where were they coming from? They were coming from urban populations, urban being the inner cities, all night long. When they refused to call Pennsylvania, when they refused to call North Carolina, when they refused to call Georgia, when they, re- when they called uh, Arizona early, when they refused to call uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, because Trump was in the lead in all these places, their number one reason for not doing so was because they knew that there were a ton of mail-in ballots, and they said that the mail-in ballots were coming from Detroit. Maricopa County, uh, um, uh, what was the other places that I just mentioned, from Philadelphia, and these places, they're massive urban hubs. Let that sink in. I I have nothing more to add to that. Just let that sink in. That is, if it turned out legally, that is exactly what the Democrats did. That is how they accomplished what they accomplished for record 74 million vote turnout for Joe Biden. Um, and I don't believe that it, that it was legal whatsoever, but if it does turn out somehow legally, that is exactly the strategy that they took. And that is how they succeeded. My friend, 100%. Now, let me ask you, are you going to run for governor again? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think that, uh, I think that that's a, uh, a good possibility. I'm still, I'm still very young. I'm only 33. And, um, you know, I was waiting for, uh, for something to happen, I guess, in life. And this whole Trump, possible Trump loss, maybe it, um, I have not been as enthusiastic, uh, as I am right now, uh, for a while with regards to the, uh, the political, uh, sphere. And I think that America needs, uh, they need energy. You know, we need energy. We need integrity. We need constitutional values. And as I said, the last time when I stepped up to the plate, um, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be me. That's how we have to look at it. We have to look in the mirror and look at ourselves and say, Hey man, for such a time as this, it's gotta be me. It has to be. Nobody else is doing it. It's gotta be me. So if you're at home, uh, and you're thinking in, in some way, shape or form that you've got a desire to do it, but maybe you're not smart enough, or maybe you don't know things. Listen, there was no criteria given by the founding fathers, uh, for who should run, who has the right amount of experience. There was no criteria whatsoever. My friend, all that any person in this country needs is to know their constitution, and they are 100 percent ahead of the game when it comes to representing their fellow man under this constitution, under this republic. And that is all I can say um, on behalf of myself and on behalf of anybody else who might be out there listening. Um, We need you. We need you to step up to the plate and to run. Uh, Run local, run for state and local government because that's the most important. Trump losing isn't the end of the world. It hurts because it's a perception thing. That's what we live in. We live in this perception-based society. But the president is weak by comparison to the Congress, according to the Constitution. And uh, Trump's final gift in Amy Coney Barrett uh, should be at least a sizable help with regards to keeping in check anything socialist that comes into this government. So take heart, my friends, my fellow Americans, take heart and keep believing because at least you have that small victory and all all it is is a matter of, like George Washington would say, it was a matter of piecing small victories together. He was constantly in retreat. He was constantly running for his life. He was constantly having to think outside of the box, constantly having to keep the morale together, constantly having to figure out how to get somebody else in there to help drive his men until victory came. That's where we're at, America. We are at a point where we need to get back to the Constitution. And right now, it's small victory after small victory to get us there. Uh, Thank you, President Trump, for the good that you did. Hopefully, you know, it's another four years and you get this whole spending thing under control. Then I'd really, really be happy with him. Um, 
but uh, but thank him for the, the good that he did with regards to reining in uh, the fascism, the, the socialist, the far socialist left. Um, and hopefully we as Americans can pick up the mantle finally, being tired and pissed off of, of all of the, the fraud, of all of the wrongdoing that's been going on, and we can do our part. And that's, uh, for me, that looks like uh, the possibility of, of stepping up to the plate for the people of, uh, of New Jersey or, or anywhere else where, you know, where, where there's a need. Well, you know, I, I, I get so upset when people say, well, there's a silent majority in this country. And, you know, that you want to talk about people getting pissed off. That's one of the things that pisses me off because I'm like, you know, these, these people that are socialists, okay, most, most of your socialists are too young to understand the word socialist. They have no idea what they're even talking about. They're, they're given this big grand um, theory that everybody's going to be equal and everybody's going to get the same. It's like Medicare for all. It's just like um, uh, socialized medicine. Uh, Biden care with a public option. What's going to happen is your private there. You're still going to have your private option under Biden care, but what's going to happen is the premiums are going to be so high that everybody's going to have to do every common American is going to have to join the public option and the private option is going to be the better option, but it's going to be so expensive. You can't afford it. So the rich are going to get what they need. They're going to get the care they need, but you're going to be in this public option. Who's eventually going to have death panels like they have in the UK that decide whether what happened that if your grandmother needs a heart surgery or not, and it'll take them a week to decide and she'll probably already be dead by the time they decide. And some of these people just don't understand what socialism really is. And if you don't understand what socialism is, go look at Venezuela. They were the most uh, prosperous Central American country. I think there's ever been. And, Look at what's happened to them under uh, under Nicolas Maduro. Uh, yeah, you can ask the Cubans. Ask the Cubans. The Cubans supported Trump. Now they're being now they're being called white and and not Latino um, because they supported Trump. Cubans know very well what communism and socialism does um, with regards to uh, to healthcare. And this is another thing out there. I don't know, you know, how many folks will hear this message, but healthcare is not constitutional. The, the government's not supposed to be involved in health care. There's not supposed to be Obamacare. There's not supposed to be socialized medicine. There's not supposed to be any type of health care coming from the government. They have no authority, no purpose, and no business. So you sit here and say, well, then what do we do? Well, what you do is you go and you pay for it yourself. The beauty of America and the free market that used to exist is that you had employers who would offer it as an incentive that incentive comes from you negotiating a contract with them for employment and them providing that for you. If not, then you make enough money and you pay for it privately yourself. But the government was never meant to be involved. The reason why healthcare ended up broken in America goes back 30 or 40 years when the government first started putting in mandates. Mandates are problems that cause shifts within the market because the people that own these corporations, these businesses, whatever it is, for better or for worse, evil, for good, whatever, they care about one thing. They care about making money and being able to pay for their bills, whether they're extravagant yachts or just putting food on the table. And when you hurt their money, that in turn causes them to fire people or to not employ people or to cut certain types of benefits like insurance. So when the government started mandating and started getting involved in health insurance, that's the reason why the health industry started going down the drain. It's not because capitalism failed. It's because socialism was added in increments, in little pieces, to every single facet, facet of society and now you've got a broken system. If you want to fix the problem, take government 100% out of the equation, let the free market dictate, and you will see people will have health insurance at an extremely ridiculously cheap rate, and it will cover the vast majority of it. And not everybody can get, can get covered. That's unfortunate. Uh, not everybody has housing in America. Not everybody has food in America. If your bleeding heart takes you to a point where you're so devastated by that, you don't go out and force the government to, to do something about it. They have no authority. You go out yourself and you do something about it. You go out and you pay for them to have a home or you pay for them to have coffee or you find somebody that's got money and you 
sell them on on your idea or your dreams. You create a nonprofit that pays for these people to have homes or to have food or have clothing. But you can't force the government to force other human beings to provide this. That is fascism. It's tyranny. It's socialism, and it is highly unconstitutional. It, there's no authority under under heaven, under nature, that exists for government or anyone to mandate such a thing. And that goes for that goes for vaccination. Uh, that goes for education. That goes for equality. You brought up equality earlier. So something that these fools, these young fools and these old fools and liberal <laughs> fools don't understand, something that they don't understand is that equality doesn't come from government. Duh. It, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't exist. Equality is something that only comes from God. And because they don't have any morals, because they believe in moral relativism, or because they hate God, Democrats hate God, let's be honest, um, there's very few that actually care about God, it's true, I've done the research over and over again, I've had enough debates, I've pissed enough people off, um, but the reality is, is that is that it doesn't come from government, equality cannot come from government, it's a moral thing, it has to come from God. God is the one who pr who provides the uh, the barometer for equality, not man. There is no equality. We've been sitting here trying to pass legislation over and over and over again to create some kind of equality. Equality is something that man himself has to see in others. So when a white man looks at a black man and sees him as an animal of some sort or whatever, the racism that comes out, and vice versa. There's no equality there because of the person's morals. It's not because of the fact that government had something to do with it. And government shouldn't have anything to do with fixing that. It's a moral problem. The community where those people live, they're the ones that have to change it. They're the ones that have to step up to the plate and fix it. You look at the movie Remember the Titans, and it shows a time in America where they were forcing, the government was forcing busing and forcing desegregation all this other stuff that didn't fix the problem of racism what fixed the problem in these places with regards to racism is people like coach boone the man that is depicted by denzel washington in the movie remember the titans he is his plan for these kids for these teens was to put them together and force them to go through adversity together and some reluctantly did it others shunned it and left but going through adversity like in the military side by side you realize really quickly what equality is as my drill instructor would say you are all equally worthless and that is the reality each and every single one of us is equal but we can only understand that we are equal through the eyes of god through morality i have to see you being a human being to understand that you are equal government cannot pass legislation to make it such it can not happen there's no authority for it there's no ability to do it it does not exist well we're running up on our hour but uh and you know i just want to say one thing ricardi uh, ricardi cummins 2028 you can win the north and win the south uh, <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, we, uh, hey, man, I, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, um, telling me, you know, all these. Uh, well, I do have a call. I don't know if we'll be able to hear him, but um, let's see. <laughs> um, let's see if I can hear him. Hey. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Jeremy? Yeah, I can hear you. I don't. I'm not sure Matt can. Can you hear me, Matt? Let's see. I, I will say that this is a great discussion, Jeremy, that you and Matt are having. Um, and I would agree that we need to continue this discussion, regardless of, you know, the what the way this story is going to run. Yeah, you're right. Um. Matt, I'm not sure if you could hear him, but he said that we were having a great discussion and uh, that that this 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 needs to continue, you know, even though however the story is to run. Um, but, um, Matt, I, I don't want to hold you any longer, man. I, I appreciate you uh, 
Eric, I appreciate you calling in, man. But, yes, uh, um, and uh, and you can most certainly bet our friends at VOP USA Radio Podcast and the John DeVito Show, the Slightly Serious Show, and a couple other podcast friends of ours are going to continue this discussion no matter what because we need to be having substantive and stimulating conversation and dialogue, especially in, in this day and age where we're seeing social media censorship so rampant. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, you guys, uh, if you know anybody, uh, they can call me and I'll come on anytime. I, I'll go on any I'll go on any uh, any interview with anybody in this country. I don't care if they're leftist. Yes. I don't care if they're socialist. I don't care if they're psychotic. Um, you, you definitely, Matt, have gotten an invitation to come to the Slightly Serious Show podcast, the John DeVito Show podcast, and like, and the podcast of a couple other friends and, and VOP USA Radio's show. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But, but the conversation will continue, and so, I, and so I'm going to be leaving here shortly. So love you, and God bless you all, and you know, we'll, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Eric. God bless you. All right, Matt. I, I thank you for coming on, man. And um, I appreciate your time. And, hey, I, I hope to hear from you again, maybe when I have another one of these uh, um, major political guys that have been in there for a while, maybe I could have you on in some way and we can uh, we can discuss some of these issues with them. For sure. Or maybe uh, when this thing gets sorted out, we'll do a recap <laughs> and talk about it. Yeah, maybe we will. But, hey, like always, man, I hope these podcasts find everybody in good health. Uh, these uh, these podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. I mean, just I mean, it's everywhere. iHeartRadio has become a new thing for me. I had no idea that I was even popular on iHeartRadio, but I seen the other day where I was getting downloaded a lot on iHeartRadio, and I appreciate that. So, um, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on again, and I appreciate your time. And I uh, hope you have a wonderful re- rest of your weekend because I can't talk now all of a sudden. But uh, um, we'll 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 see how this goes, man. America's going to survive. Yeah, she'll survive. Definitely. definitely, and I appreciate the the time and the opportunity, uh, Jeremy. And you, you have you have a great weekend. God bless. You too, man. All right, that's been an episode 27 of Cummins is Culture. Remember, we ain't controversial. Mm-mm. We just culture.